We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Um, it's nice to be in Castle Point. Um, the only problem is I've had to wear trousers for the first time uh, since presenting to you guys on Zoom, but <laughs> it's nice to have a difference. Um, so I want to talk with you a little bit about glory. See, you're on a mission, and it's important that we know what our mission is. And our mission is to glorify God. And we are fulfilled when we fulfill our mission. So I spoke about glory back on the 2nd of August, and since then I've been thinking a lot about it, which is always concerning when a teacher starts thinking about something after they've taught on it. But... I'm going to be building on some of those ideas, so if you can't remember a word that I said back then, I'm going to be talking about this week and next week. Just dip back onto the 2nd of August um, and listen to that, that word again. That might help you. But today I want to talk about what is God's glory and what's it got to do with me, how we've fallen short, and how we're restored back onto our mission again. Then next week, I'm going to focus a little bit more on how we actually glorify God. What does that look like in our friendships particularly? Because we've been talking about supercharged friendships for a while. uh, But we've got to get the foundation of what is glory before we can get to that. So, glory is important to God. It's actually God's mission. The idea of God filling the earth with his glory is repeated so many times in Scripture. Um, that it's, it's definitely a reoccurring theme. So when we talk about glory, what do we mean? So the Hebrew word for glory is called kavod. And it uh, can be described as a unique physical embodiment that speaks to who you are and your significance and your story. It's something that points to you. So, for instance, a social media page could glorify you. It points to you. A statue can glorify. When I look at this statue, I'm not thinking about the, what the, the metal that it's made of. I'm thinking about who that statue represents. I'm thinking about Churchill and what, what he was like as a person and what his story was. You know, a bedroom can glorify. The way that it's decorated points to the inhabitant of that place. Points to what they like, what they think about, what means a lot to them. In the same way, God can be glorified by nature. In Psalm 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. Or in Romans 1, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. God's also glorified by mankind. He made us for his glory. Isaiah 43, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and was made. So another way of putting it, God's glory is when his attributes are on display. And God is all about his own glory. 
He does everything for his own glory. I've just said that we were made for his glory. In Isaiah 43, it goes on to talk about I'm forgiven for his glory. And even in Ephesians 1, it says, talks about Jesus being given to us and therefore our salvation was for his glory. So, I mean, this, this feels a little bit awkward for us as, as English people, the idea of being all about your own glory. Isn't it a little bit arrogant, a little bit full of yourself to be seeking your own glory? Well, imagine you're, you're with a doctor uh, out for dinner. He's a friend of yours and someone across the, across the restaurant starts choking and the, the waiter starts shouting out, is anyone here a doctor? Now, if your doctor friend thought to themselves, I, I really don't want to brag about being a doctor. I, I don't want to make myself seem better than anyone else. I don't want to be self-promoting and just remain silent. You wouldn't be thinking, what a humble person. How modest they are. What a great person. Now you'd be thinking, how selfish are you? And it's actually a, a violation of the Hippocratic Oath. You're, you're not allowed not to get involved. See, God is our hope and our salvation. And we are choking. We need to see him for who he is. We need to be made aware of the solution right in our midst. We'll never be fulfilled outside God. It would be dreadful for God to conceal that from us, to not promote himself, to not tell us that he is the answer that we're looking for. He has to promote, promote himself. We see Jesus doing that in Matthew 11. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He has to shout about it. He has to promote himself. I was made for his glory, and his glory fulfills me. I was made for his glory. I was made in his image. I was made to reflect his nature. You should be able to look at me and it be a reminder of God. This was the mission for which I was created. And on top of that, his glory actually fulfills me. C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Even Simon Peter in John 6 says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. John Piper says, God loves you in that he does everything necessary in order that you might be enthralled forever and increasingly with what will bring you full and lasting happiness, namely himself. So God being about his own glory is the most loving thing he can do. So I just said I was made for his glory. You should look at me and be reminded of him. But we fall short. This is a picture of the uh, statue of Joan of Arc in Portland, in Oregon, in America. It's the most vandalized uh, statue in Portland. And uh, it's had its wreath stolen. Um, it's had its flag stolen and its sword stolen. It's been doused in black paint and it's had a drill bit driven through its head to make it look like a unicorn. 
But even with that vandalism, you still kind of get the gist of what that statue is pointing to, i.e. Joan of Arc. But it could do a better job at rep representing her honour. We were made to point to him, but we have fallen short. When mankind chose to sin, we chose to promote ourselves. We decided that we should be in charge. We took the throne that rightfully belonged to him. And we decided to define for ourselves what good, e good and evil was. And so in Romans 3, Paul says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were made to reflect him, to reveal him, to act like a mirror pointing back towards him. But we decided to point the mirror at ourselves. Augustine of Hippo said, human nature curved in towards itself. We take everything that we've got and use it for our own self-protection, self-promotion. And in that state, we can't glorify him because we're not looking to him, we're looking to ourselves. We can't fulfill that which we were made for because we're not rightly aligned to him. So if you think back to that image of the, uh, the bedroom, when I was a teenager, I used my parents' bedroom and I used their money to decorate that bedroom and promote myself through it. That is human nature turned in on itself. Everything that we've been given, we use to promote ourselves. And we, we do that by doing the wrong things and by not doing the right things. Everything we do is for self-promotion, self-protection, but not to point to him. Even when I try to love, it's still about me. Mark McGrath once talked about love with a hook. It looks like we're loving. It looks like we're being nice, but it's actually for our own sake. I want to feel like a hero. I want to put you in my debt. I want to give because I expect you to have to give back to me. I, I love because I need to feel better about myself. In the same way as that, that statue was vandalized, I've been vandalized and mostly I've done it to myself. I can't make myself right. I can't straighten up myself. I remember a time ago, I tried to make a nice list about some people that I really didn't like. It took so much mental energy because I knew that it was wrong what I was doing. I, I, I knew that my attitude towards them was bad. But and I'd have this list and I'd keep it in my head. But as soon as I took my eye off of it, I'd be straight back to the same way of thinking of before. I would harbour thoughts of how much better I was than them. And it was really scary to admit it that I couldn't change. I couldn't make myself better. In our lives, there's a point where we have to come to the edge of our ability, where we have to face the painful truth. We can't get to where we need to go. We've come to the edge of what we can do and we have to look at that chasm and think we can't, we can't do what we need to do. Paul talks about this fallen state in Romans 7. He says, for I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I 
do not want to do, I keep doing. Now, if I do not do what I want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin living in me that does it. Now, that's, that's a tricky, tricky statement, but we all recognise that we know what we should do, but there's something that's fighting against it all the time. Paul goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? It's pretty heavy stuff. But Paul goes on to say, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because he has brought a cure and a restoration to get us back on track and back on mission. See, Jesus took on himself all the vandalism that I've done to ourselves, that we've done to ourselves and others have done to us. He sets me free from my self-addiction and in response to his conquering love, I abdicate his throne. I allow him to be God and recognise that I am not. He breaks my self-obsession so that I can turn back to him because I couldn't break it otherwise. He turns my eyes back upon him and once again, I see his glory. And boom, there's something that grabs me. I can see him for who he is and I can turn away from the other stuff. Like in that song that we sometimes sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow dim. Did you know that Moses asked to see God's glory and he was denied? But due to what Jesus has done, we can see him in his fullness of his glory. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, so for all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. They can see the glory. Moses couldn't, but we can see it and we can reflect it. We can do what we were designed to do because he has removed the veil. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. Just, I mean, try and get your head around that. And we're brought back into relationship with him. And we see his beauty and we see his love for the world. And we're filled with his spirit, which enables us to live according to his requirements. And this transforms us. In fact, his spirit comes and lives in us. He dresses in us. Just like it says, the, the spirit clothed himself in Gideon. So the spirit does what he's always been doing since the creation of the earth. Now he does it, he just looks a little bit more like me when he's doing it. He slips on his Jamie suit. He's like Superman in reverse. Instead of taking off something, he puts something on. Paul says in Galatians 2, I no, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And suddenly, we discover there is a way, to, a way to travel beyond the edges of my ability. He carries me to where I couldn't go. I don't have to try and modify my behaviour, but he can actually come and transform something in me where I'm not trying to think of a nice list about people, but 
And this was my experience. He came and met with me and he softened my heart and did something I couldn't reach within myself. And I give myself over to his mission to point back to him and what he's done. And in so doing, I fulfill my mission. I'm part of his ultimate plan to fill the earth with his glory. And my, my life points to him. It is about making him famous. And now I'm used by him to, and he transforms through me. And then he gathers us together, other people that have gone through a similar process to what I'm describing. He gathers us into community and he calls us church. And then he pours his glory down through the church and it spreads out. And that, that glory starts to fill the whole earth and we're part of it because he does it through us. I'll speak more about what that actually looks like on a, on a daily life process. But then one day, the whole earth will once again be filled with his glory. Everything about this place will declare him. And so, in conclusion, God is going to fill this earth with his glory. His glory is when his attributes are put on display. He calls me to be part of putting his attributes on display. I failed in this calling, but in his love, he rescued me from myself. He put me back on mission and fills me with his spirit, which enables me to succeed. Now I get to experience his goodness and give witness to his goodness in every single area of my life. So how might you want to respond? Well, I've got two thoughts here. One, maybe you haven't seen him for who he is, for his beauty, for the love, the majesty of him. You, you know the facts, but it doesn't move you. Maybe you want to say, God, take the veil from my eyes that I can see you for who you are. Or number two, maybe you realise that you've been looking to God to make your life better how does God help you achieve what you want to achieve that your life is curved in on itself I now want to be a, about his glory perhaps you once reflected his glory better than you have but you've lost your way but don't dare you think that you could just try harder it doesn't work you have to first consider this that very desire is him beginning to work in you God is working in you to create that desire. And now all you've got to say to him, God, complete what you've started. I'm dependent on you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities, and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk, on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk, or Twitter at lifelineuk. Thank you.